Hello, everyone. My name is Caleb Walgren, and you're listening to Season 3, Episode 216 of Brody Sports Talk. I am joined by my infamous co-host, Captain Orange. Probably not going to break the record for how many times I can say Orange in an episode today. He is Derek Rusnick, though. Derek, how you doing? Hello, everybody. Captain Orange, really. Like, I, I'm, I'm not going to doing it. Major Orange or General Orange. Nope, I'm I'm just a captain. Uh, I'll take it. I'll take it. And we have a guest with us today. You might know him from previous appearances here on Brody Sports Talk or the work that he does over with the Clutch Crew Sports Podcast. But it is Zach Conger. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Guac for Life. I already got the shout out out there for him. Zach, how are you doing? Doing good, man. Uh this is, believe it or not, actually my third podcast in three days that I've recorded. So uh, it's pretty crazy, but doing a podcast every night right now. <laughs> podcast grind. You yep. got keep it, to keep it up. So let's go ahead. You're releasing this on June 15th, 2022. And let's go back this day on this day in sports history. It was a good day for the San Antonio Spurs. In 2003, they beat the then New Jersey Nets for their second title in franchise history, and Tim Duncan won the MVP. And then the more recent one in 2014, the Spurs beat the Miami Heat for their fifth title in franchise history. And the MVP of that one is probably not someone that we remember as a Spur as much as Tim Duncan, and that is Kawhi Leonard. Still weird to think Kawhi Leonard won an MVP eight years ago and the Spurs were in the finals and were that dominant still. Um, not that long ago. So my question to start things off is, uh, how, how would you guys think the NBA would be different over the last decade if the Heat had completed a three-peat? Uh, also, that would probably mean uh, LeBron and the guys don't end up opting out. So, Derek, I'm going to go to you first on this. So if the Heat complete the three-peat, that's so rhymey. I can't, I'm just trying so hard not to make extra jokes off of that. But uh, how do you think the NBA would have been differently? So the NBA would be different because people would actually realize how good a coach Eric Spolster is. He would get the accolades that he deserves. Um, and because he is a much, much, much better coach than people give him credit for. And he puts together teams. He coaches those teams to the, the highest extent. We saw it this, during this last playoff run on he coached, he, he was coaching his butt off to to get them where they were going. And uh, people would actually, I think, understand, like, hey, he's got uh, he's got some accolades behind him. He's done this. I mean, I'm not saying he's, he's uh, Coach Jackson or, or anything like that, but he would definitely be up there in the top five best coaches currently in the NBA. Uh, Zach, how do you think it kind of would look different over the last decade? Well, honestly, I don't know how different it would look. Um, I think there'd be one thing would be you would hear a lot more, even more than we hear now, like the Jordan versus LeBron debate. If LeBron had completed the three-peat there, I think the LeBron supporters would have a little bit more uh, material to say he's better than Jordan. But really, in the grand scheme of things, like the Warriors, their development was still going on regardless of this. You said you don't think they would have been broken up. I still think they would have been broken up. 
I think LeBron always wanted to go back to Cleveland. I didn't believe it at the time, but looking back on it now, I think that was his mindset all along. I mean, I at least think that it's less likely that we have four straight finals between the Warriors and the Cavs. <laughs> yeah. Like, even if LeBron signs like a one or two year deal with Miami to return, they bring the crew back together because if we think that three in a row would have done a lot for his legacy, four in a row or five yeah. in a row would have done way more for his legacy. Absolutely. So, plus, I would have loved to see some of that Heat crew together against the young Warriors instead of LeBron kind of starting from scratch with the Cavs. It would have been interesting. Maybe the Heat would be more of a dynasty and the Warriors would be less of a dynasty. It's possible. I'm not saying it's likely. I'm just going to say it's possible. Yeah. But, and like Kawhi Leonard, he takes a hit too. You know, he his he would only have one championship with the Raptors. Who knows if he even goes to the Raptors, you know, so they're and they won a championship. So, yeah, these timelines can get real, real crazy. <laughs> absolutely. So let's go to the current NBA finals. Uh, last time we had recorded this type of breakdown it was after game two, so the Celtics went back, took game three, ended up dropping games four and five, so the Warriors now have a three to two series lead. Things were not great for the Warriors last night, as Steph didn't hit a single three, but they were worse for the Celtics as Marcus Smart looked like he was a little bit out of control for himself, and... I mean, Draymond fouled out again, but that's kind of been the story of the playoffs for Draymond. Um, Derek, we'll go to you first. Do you think that the Celtics are going to force a game seven? What do you think? Okay, so my heart says the the Celtics force a game seven. You know, there's they, they, they come back. It's a 3-3. Anything can happen in game seven. Logically, this series is over. Uh, the Warriors will stomp on the gas pedal. Um, Steph is definitely not going to have issues on the next game as he did in the last game. And there's going to be game six clay. He's going to come out. Um, you know, you, you, you always have to have that, that toss up between Looney or Draymond Green. And it's a good issue to have because you're taking a shooter off the floor but what you're getting back is you know some easy dunks with looney and a little bit of psychological warfare with draymond so i think i think this series is over i would love to see a game seven i would love to see the celtics storm back and, and win the series zach where are you at as far as this do you think the celtics force game seven or do you think that this is over in six yeah, I, I think it goes seven, actually. I think the Celtics win at home in game six. I, I still like the Warriors to win in the series in seven, but uh, I think this, the Warriors have had a hard time all playoffs closing out series. I think in all of their series, um, when they were up three games to whatever, they could they didn't win the next game. They didn't win, you know, win three, win four. So that gives hope for the Celtics. Um, but the Celtics have been here, done that already. They went to Milwaukee and won a game six to force game seven. Everyone wrote that one off. They're a good team. They 
struggled really bad in game five of the first half and somehow ended up with a lead in the third quarter. So the Celtics have every capability to do it. Uh, they got to make the adjustments. Turnovers are a huge problem, but um, I think the home court will help them a lot and and get them over the top. I do think that the teams are more evenly matched than some people wanted us to believe going into this finals. Uh, I felt like a lot of people were saying it was the Warriors championship to lose, which felt pretty extreme. Uh, definitely wasn't close to being a sweep or a Warriors in five situation. I mean, we didn't even have that as an option. So I, I'm going to side with Derek on this one a little bit. I do think that the Warriors are going to go in and just take care of their business. I think Steph's going to shoot better than he did in game five. I also think that the role players have risen up enough that if they need to be hot for game six, that they can. You know, Andrew Wiggins had a great game five kind of out of nowhere. And if he's hitting, Clay's hitting, Steph's hitting, it's just going to be very difficult. I think that you almost wanted to prefer for the series to be if you're Boston to let Steph get some of his but not get the assists you know if Steph goes for 40 every night and they lose you can deal with that but that's not how it turned out uh any other thoughts on the NBA finals before we jump over to a different category it's been a good series I mean it's it's a, it's been a good playoff in and of itself, especially the East, has been fun to watch. Yeah, just hoping for some close games, though, because <laughs> there's, there's been somewhere, like, you know, you can safely go to bed at halftime. But, uh, yeah, and, I, like, I just wish the NBA wouldn't schedule two-day, you know, have two-day breaks here. It's like you kind of want to binge a TV show. I want to binge these finals. Like, give me give me the next game. Don't make me wait two days. <laughs> Agreed. I think, Agreed. Do you think that there would ever be a chance that the NBA would consider some sort of like neutral site finals to like just say we're playing all seven games at this spot? No. The, okay, I don't the think money's so the money's not there. The money's <laughs> yeah, not there. I mean you you would definitely not be and then, then where do you actually play it? Do you play it in like you know, where has a good a good like because it's a seven game series or you know first to four it's not like the super bowl where you can you know it's one game okay we're all gonna come for the weekend and we're all gonna like you you have multiple games and and you're gonna have to definitely have a, a home team um have their their arena we already saw that once caleb the bubble that that's in they're not going back to a bubble <laughs> That's fair. I think that that might be one of my worst takes of all time. But I wasn't saying that I think they should do it. I think that I was just putting it out there. Yeah. Uh, Derek, why don't you go ahead and lead us Yeah. Uh, with the horns down into this next segment? I, I am excited. I have been watching all of the uh, Women's College World Series uh, for the softball programs. And I am so excited to, I'm sure everyone has seen, the OU Sooners absolutely crushed the Texas Longhorns. Um, much like I said on our last podcast or our last Brody Bites uh, breakdown, the I, I assume there was going to be run rules by in three straight games um, because there's no run rules in the championship series. Uh, they couldn't, but they they got to that point. They did have a greater than eight run lead. 
um, in the games. And any time that a coach can put their best player who does not uh, play in the field out in left field and just so she can get her uh, her accolades by the crowd. This is game two. Jocelyn Allo, who is the greatest home run hitter in college history, both men's and uh, women's sports. You know, so she has more home runs than any baseball player of all time and any uh, home run, more home runs of any softball player of all time. Um, they put her out there. She is a designated player. All she does is hit, and she does a very good job of that, obviously. Put her out in left field. Two of the outs that happen in the uh, in the ninth inning are on her glove. So, you know, still shows a little flash of, of that. And then uh, there's a little bit of trouble uh, because they put their senior pitcher in uh, in the game, and she had pitched a bunch uh, throughout the series. And so... Um, gave up a couple of, of runs, but then sealed it for an easy victory. Uh, all three pitchers pitched in that uh, game clinching game, and it was it was just kind of a show off. It was we're gonna put, you know, we we want these players to get accolades. We want them to get to fill the crowd because it's in Oklahoma City, and we've talked about home field advantage in Oklahoma City for the OU Sooners. Um, once again. And uh, it was twenty six to six. Uh, outscored the uh, the Longhorns. The Sooners did in the in the series, and three of those were uh, were trying to close us out, and uh, we walked people. So it was technically like twenty six to three if they would have had good pitching in there. It was absolute domination. Okay, um, you wake up, guys. Uh, I think I'm off my soapbox now. Sorry, you can unmute and now talk. Zach, do you want to go first with any comments before I jump in? Yeah, I'm I'm just not qualified on the uh, Women's College World Series. I'm not even going to try and pretend uh, that I was a spectator of this event. But uh, go Sooners, I guess. Boomer Sooner. <laughs> it definitely was Boomer Sooner. Um, I, I don't know what to say about Jocelyn Allo that hasn't already been said. The things that she did during this Women's College World Series were filthy. Um, I feel like she doesn't get enough credit, and like the only way I can accurately represent her is to say that she was the non-steroided Barry Bonds version of what of women's college softball, <laughs> and like. Her her bats were must see television. Like in that first semifinal game, she hit, or in the first final game, she hit two home runs. She scored five runs, even though they only listed her as having three at bats because she walked twice. So, like, absolute domination from her great just ability to play and fantastic being able to crush a team that did take you down once in the regular season, just molly whopping them in that women's college world series finale. Let's go ahead and switch from the, the women's college world series to the men's though. We've got some exciting things happening up in Omaha. Uh, let's 
go ahead. I'm going to run through the teams that are there, and then we'll get some quick predictions because we all know that the world of college baseball is a load of chaos. No one knows that more than um, my guest host, Zach, who saw the number one Tennessee Volunteers go down at home against Notre Dame as Notre Dame won two to one. We were very disappointed, Zach. We put all of our hopes on Tennessee because we don't like Notre Dame, and uh, they let us down. So in bracket one, we have the Texas A&M Aggies, the Texas Longhorns, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, and the Oklahoma Sooners. Only two of those teams are ranked teams. Uh, Aggies are a five seed, and Texas is a nine seed. Lots of chaos there. Zach, I'm just going to toss it to you first. Who do you have coming out of that bracket? Yeah, so I just know I, I what I know about college baseball is the SEC rules supreme. And actually next year or whenever, two years, whatever it is, three of these you know four teams are going to be SEC teams. But I'm going to pick the current SEC team, Texas A&M. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's Texas, anybody but Notre Dame. I'll say that. Derek, uh, where are you going with bracket one here? I'm going OU. Um, they have shown a lot of moxie and a lot of ways to find a way to to win. They have surprised everybody in getting into the Elite Eight of the College World Series. You know, it's a brand new start. Um, they have some really good pitching. Well, they will be going head-to-head on Friday, so... We'll know more about AM versus OU after Friday's matchup. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say a lot of people said Notre Dame was slighted when they weren't given the chance to host a regional. I think that they came out showing that they have something to prove. And I'm going to go ahead and say that I'm going to take Notre Dame out of that top bracket. They already took down the top team in the tournament. They're not worried about these Texas and, you know, these Southern teams that are ranked. They're going to just take them out and get to that men's College World Series finale. Uh, let's go to bracket two. Bracket two. Uh, if you liked the SEC before, Zach, uh, this this one has a lot a lot more SEC in it. Uh, the top seed, of course, is Stanford, the two seed, and they are joined by the number fourteen Auburn Tigers and the unranked Arkansas Razorbacks and the unranked Ole Miss Rebels. Chaos. Chaos happening, so many SEC teams and the lone Cardinals standing against them. Uh, we'll reverse the order. Derek, we'll go back to you first. Who do you have coming out of bracket two? Um, so my my main pick is going to be Stanford Cardinal. I think they're the best team in the bracket, and I picked them last week. Uh, my dark pig in the bracket is going to be Arkansas. They find a way to win, and they are a tough out. So um, I'll, I'll, I will uh, Stanford and then the uh, – Backup is going to be Arkansas. Zach, where are you going here, man? Yeah, I'm going Arkansas uh, as my pick. I know they're a hungry team. I think they were here last year in Omaha, so they've got some experience. They, they've got veteran players on the team, uh, and they're they're hot at the right time. I, I know all these teams are, but uh, Arkansas is the one that I've paid my attention to. I I think we're going to make this a... Uh... A whoopigsuey moment because I'm going with the Omahogs as well, as uh, they are going to go take Omaha by storm. I 
could be wrong, but they are on the list of most College World Series appearances without a title. I don't know that they are the most, but they are up there. Uh, Mississippi State was up there last year, and they ended up getting off that list by winning their championship last year. I think Arkansas goes to the final and wins the final. So I'm just going to go ahead and... Spoiler get, alert. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and get my Traylon Burks jersey on and uh, watch some some baseball in Omaha this weekend. Uh, any? Do you, any of you want to go out on a limb and make your finals pick now, or are you going to save that for later? I'll, I'll, I'll go out. I'll say OU Arkansas for the national championship, and Arkansas wins it. All right, Zach? Yeah, I've got Arkansas winning it too. Over A&M, I'm assuming. Over A&M, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I'll, how about I jump to our next uh, next topic here, get us away from college and some people who actually get paid to play a sport, um, and that's going to be the NHL playoffs. So we are down to the final two, the Stanley Cup, Lord Stanley's Cup. Um, we have the Colorado Avalanche versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, I will say that I am surprised that Tampa Bay is so good at sports in sports-related activities. Uh, you know, we've had the the Buccaneers. Um, we've had the Lightning. Lightning are coming in with two uh, Lord Stanley's Cup uh, wins back-to-back. So they, are, they have been hoisting it for a while and now trying to make it a three-peat. So we've talked about a three-peat earlier in this podcast. I want to toss it over to Zach. Uh, first, and what would it mean for the Lightning to have a three-peat? And what is that, uh, like, where do they, they fit in the, the all-timers? Yeah, the, the three-peat would, I think, definitely cap off. This is the most successful team, <gasps> you know, in the salary cap era. And definitely the most successful since the Oilers and uh, Islanders dynasties way back when. So... Uh, it would mean a lot. Um, it's just, you know, one of these things now that Lightning fans just expect to win. Like, it's just as crazy as it sounds. Like, it doesn't matter the situation. You just, you know, it's just become so normal ever since they got swept by Columbus three years ago. So, um, yeah, I'm sure we'll talk more about this, but it would mean a lot. I think it'd mean more to Colorado if they won, though. I, I agree. So I am a bandwagon Colorado fan uh, because most of my sports-related fun comes from Denver, and that is uh, the Broncos. And so I am I am hopping on their bandwagon. I I hopped on a, a team bandwagon at the beginning of the the playoffs, and it just happened to be the Avalanche. Um, I think they're a really good team, and, and we saw what they did by by sweeping uh, the best scorer in the league, uh, and so. You know, I'm going to root for them. Uh, I'm not going to be completely upset if the Lightning win because uh, I can see, you know, you, you've you been there before. You know what you're doing. Uh, but, Caleb, anything to add to the NHL? Like, do you like to put ice on your boo-boos when you get them? Um, do you use a stick sometimes to swoosh away the spiders in your home? Uh, yes, I use long sticks to, to smack spiders around my house. That's quite fun. Uh, I don't think I quite get them to the 80 or 90 miles an hour that we see in the NHL, but that's okay. Um, I will say I'm curious. I want to see how 
uh, Makar does here in this finals. I feel like he's really kind of rose into the occasion as a, a young avalanche defenseman. And you know he's going to have his hands full with Nikita Kucherov and Steven Stamkos because the Lightning have the experience, and I feel like the Avalanche have the youth. Easy uh, for you to say all those names. Just roll off the tongue. I mean, I, I got to look them up every now and then. I didn't try to say Vasilevsky, so I was I was trying to keep it oh, simple come on. for myself. <laughs> Very proud of you. Very proud of you. Go with the cop-out Vassy, you know, just, you know. <laughs> Not get it wrong there. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb. I'm going to say Lightning are going to strike thrice, and this is going to be a Lightning championship. Give me Tampa Bay winning it on home ice on June 26th, game six. Uh, Zach, Derek, you guys want to make any predictions, or are you staying away right now? You you just said my prediction actually, so um, he kind of took it. Lightning and six, yes, got it. Lightning and six, yeah. (laughs) I will go uh, what Avalanche and seven because if they they win in six, be home ice. So because the because the Avalanche have home ice, right? Yeah, Avalanche have home ice. It would be home. That's what I thought. Okay, so I will take it all the way to the end. I will will jump. I will once again get the horses to come around and get on my bandwagon and say the avalanche will win it in seven. And I will be outvoted two to one on this podcast and probably uh, correctly outvoted because I think I do. Once again, I, I believe you've been there before. You know how to handle the moment. Um, you see that shiny cup over there and uh, you know, some nerves will kind of hit the, uh, the Av players. So you're probably right, but I'm just going to rah, rah, in those sweaters. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, time for what could be the most polarizing thing that I talk about today. And that is going to be talking a little bit about the difference between live golf and the PGA. Now, a lot of people are not really sure what they think of all of this stuff with live golf. It is backed by Saudi Arabian money, pretty much from their government. They're trying to, get a more favorable opinion of things in their country. They've had human rights issues. They also have had issues with uh, terrorism in the past. I looked it up because I was trying to understand some of this. And of the attackers in 9-11, it said that 15 of the 19 were from Saudi Arabia, including Osama bin Laden. So not necessarily a great track record there, And so when people reference them and say, this is part of why I don't want to be a part of this tour because I have morals, as someone like Rory McIlroy has said, uh, and he made it very spicy this weekend. So uh, Live Golf had their inaugural event, went out. uh, Kudos to Charles Schwartzel for playing some great golf. He made more in three days, making four and a half million. Uh, It was three times more than his biggest win on the PGA Tour when he won the 2011 Masters. And it was also more than he made in any season in his PGA Tour career uh, by like 1.6 million. So he's 37. He's not a young guy. He's played a long time. Clearly, Live Golf has the money. And I somewhat am curious because I feel like the PGA doesn't really have this CBA like other leagues. And the players really should get paid more. 
looking ahead to this weekend's U.S. Open, the winner gets, I think it was 2.5 or 2.2 million, and the total purse for the event is 12.2 million. The PGA Tour has got to be making more money than that. They got to be able to go out and find a way to raise the profile for these athletes and let them make more because if they don't keep their star players like Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas, they're going to lose the product. Um, I heard the example mentioned that if the top 50 players in the NBA went and joined some tour or some league in Turkey and they like, how would you still watch the NBA today? It'd be weird. It'd be different. You wouldn't know what storylines to follow. Live tours basically doing some of that to the PGA with how they have literally bought out players. Uh, I heard, I was listening to one of the podcasts that said Rory McIlroy was offered in the neighborhood of three to $400 million to join the live golf tour and to step away from the PGA because they wanted him to be their star golfer. And he turned it down. I don't know that I would be able to do that. So kudos to Rory for sticking with his convictions. Granted, he has made good money in his life. And when he won the RBC Canadian Open this past weekend, it was his 21st win on the PGA Tour. And he made a point at the press conference when he was getting the award to say, hey, this is my 21st win. It's one more than someone else that I know. That person is Greg Norman, who is the Australian that is running the Live Golf Tour. It's bad blood. It's feisty. I kind of want to see what happens between them. And Live Golf doesn't have a tournament until the end of the month because they want all of their stars in the U.S. Open that's happening this weekend. It's why we're seeing things like Phil Mickelson giving one of the most awkward press conferences of his career. But you know what, Phil? I don't know that they gave you $400 million, but they gave you a big check. And if you can't answer questions at a press conference, maybe you shouldn't have switched. Um, so I can't say that it's all bad, but I have heard people say that it's somewhat of an equivalent of laundering your money through sports. And if that's what the Saudi government is doing, it's probably going to work because they also have it in Formula One, WWE, Newcastle, in the Premier League, and no one has cared there. If it's going to happen with golf, it's going to happen with golf too. Um, Zach, Derek, I don't know that you guys were expecting to say much on this, but uh, any kind of reactions uh, with some of this breakdown? Yeah, so I'll just go ahead and, and start off. And, and and I did not realize you were this passionate about golf. So uh, it's good to see a new side of Caleb. Um, I, I will say that, that golf is very different than the other sports that we talk about. So even though they make a bunch of money, uh, the players that we generally talk about play for the team that is on the front of the jersey versus the, the name that's on the back of the jersey. So, you know, LeBron, of course, very well known, maybe, maybe the biggest basketball star currently out there, uh, world superstar. Um, everyone cares what team he's on, and he's not going to win anything by himself, um, much the same way. Aaron Rodgers plays for the Green Bay Packers. Of course, 
he's out there and great. But as we saw last year, he can't win anything by himself. So we're talking, we can't uh, look at individual sports versus team sports. Now, if we were to look at this in the UFC sense, where you have a individual sport going uh, going up against an individual sport, you know, there's UFC, there's Bellator, there's Pride, there's uh, there's a good amount of uh, of places out there that people can can fight, and that's the same thing with this. If Live Golf can have a TV contract and you can watch them on a Saturday, Sunday, or whatever day that they're going to be on. They're they're probably going to to get revenue, and they're probably going to be, uh, you know, stay around a while. The issue is going to be when players that you can't recognize their name win a bunch of those tournaments. You know, a Hunter Mayhan. He he was from uh, Oklahoma State, and he won a little bit on the PGA Golf Tour, but. He's not uh, he's not Roy McIlroy, which I love Roy. Um, Greg Offer, I've been a, been a fan of his for a while. He's not Tiger. He's not Phil. So Phil can't win every tournament. And so you're going to have a bunch of guys who ran after money who are going to win on these tournaments. And I don't know if you're going to get the TV ratings. I don't know if you're going to get the sports center ratings uh, off of that kind of stuff where there's well-known names in the PGA and the PGA, you know, has those events. They have the history, and uh, I will go ahead and, and close my mouth at that point. Add anything to add, Zach? Yeah. So I I think right now it's just way too early. Like we're just Con or uh, not Connor Caleb just went on a a rant uh, that Eric would be proud of about live, but there's so like I've heard for like I've heard more talk about golf in the past week than probably the last three or four years, if I'm being honest. Um, so, uh, you know, there's great points with the money and everything. I, you know, I wouldn't be able to turn that money down for sure. It, it's insane. The amount of money, I think tiger got offered a billion and he turned that down. But um, yeah, I think it's just one of these things. Let's just wait and see what happens. I know as of now, the, live players are allowed to play in the major tournaments, so that's you know not barring them from doing that they can't play in other pga stuff but uh, i'm kind of more of the approach to let's wait and see before we kind of say this is good or this is bad for the sport so just to clarify majors are not run by the pga they're run by the u.s golf association or like the british open is different so that's why the PGA can't say you're not allowed to come to this event. They're, the PGA kind of is in agreement with letting it happen because they know that that's the events that people care about more. Like the Masters is run by Augusta National, not by the PGA. So the majors are going to be fine. It's the question of the rest of this. Um, I do think it's interesting. I looked at the French Open for tennis this year. And I know that they play over more time, but they said that the total purse for that event was 46 million euros. And if the U.S. Open, which plays over four days, is only $12 million, I feel like the U.S. Open has to figure out more ways to get more revenue into the players' hands. You can't have tennis literally making about four times as much money as you're making for one of your majors. That's sure. ridiculous. 
so that's really all I wanted to, to go over. I'm uh, hope that you all enjoyed this episode and apparently my rant uh, <laughs> because I knew it was coming. So on behalf of our guest, Zach, and my co-host, Captain Orange, I want to thank you all for listening to us and y'all have a great one. Bye. Bye, guys. See ya.